Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Appreciate you being with us. And as always, thanks for following us on social media, uh, following us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you can catch us on YouTube as well. But thank you for being a part of the great work that that we do. And it's just an honor to bring these stories to you. And we continue uh, to do that. We've talked a lot about barriers on this program and barriers to um, that, that government puts up, whether it's a state government, a local government, federal government. We've, we have also talked about in the past about the Department of Veterans Affairs and some of the barriers that they put up in front of uh, the, the, the health care needs of our veterans. And it's a shame and not a shame. It's a tragedy that in many cases, we're not treating veterans the way that we should. We've had uh, Concerned Veterans for America on this show before to talk about the work that they're doing to keep the Department of Veterans Affairs accountable by making sure that they're following the Mission Act. We've talked about that, which allows veterans to get community care, which means care at a non-VA facility if they meet certain criteria. And we've heard from Navy veteran Nate Banks about his experience getting the VA to follow the Mission Act and how he had to fight for the care that he needed to remove a tumor. And we did that on a previous episode. On today's podcast, we're going to talk to another veteran about their experience with the VA, but from a different angle because she used to work for the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA. And after her military service, Jessica Villarreal had the opportunity to work for the VA, which was her dream job because she has a passion to be able to help fellow veterans. And her dream as a social worker at the VA only lasted three years because it became literally a hostile work environment. Jessica is our guest today, and she's going to tell tell us about the government barriers that she faced working for the VA and what she had to do to get the care her patients needed. Jessica, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. So first of all, you're an Army veteran yourself. You we were talking before the podcast started, you married a Marine. So I'm sure there's some I, service rivalry in the uh, in the household. Is that right? That's surely right. A house divided, as one would say, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> that's right. So who wins the most of the battles? Is it the Army or the Marine Corps? Well, I, I, if you were to see my house and you see whose flag is there, it's the Marine Corps, not the <laughs> Army. <laughs> okay. Well, I understand. So it's got a little bit of a Marine Corps motif. It sounds like in your house, right? Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Well, what it, service rivalries are great. My father-in-law was was Army, is a West Point grad, and so my family's kind of an Army family because of that. And uh, my dad served in the Navy in World War II, so I understand that service rivalry uh, that goes on. But it sounds like you guys kind of take it to a different level at your home, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, let's let's. Talk a little bit about your service in the military. You you were in the Army, and so I'd love to kind of lay that foundation and talk about that first. 
Yeah, so I was uh, graduated high school at 16, and as soon as I turned 17, I made the choice to serve my country and went to a recruiter, and well, shortly after, I left to the military. I did six years on active duty uh, with 10th Combat Aviation Brigade out of Fort Drum, New York. I did uh, two combat tours where I provided support during combat operations in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, and I got out of the Army in 2010, and I made South Texas my home. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank, thanks for your service um, to, to your country and to the U.S. Army. Uh, appreciate that. And um, so this was important to you. How did, I guess, how did you get this passion for, for caring for veterans? Was it through your service and meeting them, or was it before then? Or how would you say you got this passion for caring for veterans? Um, well, I think one of the big things that, I mean, most veterans, if not all, uh, can um, agree on, on with me is that the transition getting out of active duty is difficult. Uh, and having gone, th- gone through that myself and seen the difficulties of transitioning out of active duty, um, it kind of just fell on my lap. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved with a local nonprofit when I first got out, uh, a, a wonderful Marine Corps our major female uh, took me under her wing and she had a nonprofit where uh, she was fighting for VA healthcare in our area. Uh, and uh, she took me under her wing and just said, Hey, you're going to, she volunteered me. Apparently Marines ha- have a thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. And so she volunteered me like, Hey, you're going to be my events coordinator and you're going to go on radio and TV and you're going to go ask donors for money and this, that, and the other. And I just learned to uh, hearing other veterans stories. And then their willingness to share with me because they were felt relatable to me because I too was a veteran was really what opened my doorway into advocacy for veterans. Uh, so it's kind of how I got into the field very long ago, t- 2010, when I moved down to where I uh, call home in the Rio Grande Valley, of Texas. Um, that's where I started my uh, advocacy uh, life for right. vet- uh, advocating for veterans. Gotcha. Now, and you've got, you graduated, you have a master's degree in social work. You're working on a PhD. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to call you doctor then. Right. Um, but, but not <laughs> until then, I guess. What, what is it about being a social worker that's important to you? Well, um, everybody has a reason as to why they go into the field they go into. And for me, again, uh, I knew that I was going to be a social worker because I wanted to advocate for veterans and veteran issues. Again, being a veteran myself and being married to a veteran, uh, it was very important for me um, to offer that um, person that veterans could feel relatable to, right? Again, um, navigating the VA can be a tricky system. And so um, just being that person that they were able to uh, reach out to was, was my goal always, was to be able to be available to my veteran uh, brothers and sisters in my community mm-hmm. and help them navigate transitioning back into civilian life as best as I could and to help them and to just lead them and guide them because um, it's one of those things where you got to ask another veteran to kind of help you uh, when you're transitioning back into civilian life. We help each other out. Right now. Now, so that's why you went to work for the VA and you didn't go to work at, you know, private, private practice or anything. You you wanted to help veterans, right? Mm -hmm. That was my whole goal. My whole goal is to work with veterans. And that was the population. Clearly, it's still my population of choice, and it's my passion is helping veterans. 
Um, I think no one can help a veteran better than their own kind and all, and in my personal opinion, right? Um, but definitely, it helped to be a veteran to help another veteran out. So, you, how did you feel when you got this job at the VA? It must have been kind of your dream, right? Because if you want to help veterans, it, it seems like that's the place yeah. to go, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, at the moment, um, it it was my dream, right? Because again, that was my whole goal was to get into the VA to be. Uh, that person for veterans to be relatable to them when they would come in and felt like nobody could understand them. They had somebody that did genuinely understand because I've walked the walk. I've been overseas. I mean, I've not done what a lot of them done, but I get the general concept of what it is to be in a combat zone, to be in another country, to serve my country, uh, to dedicate my life uh, to a greater cause uh, is keeping our, our front side protected, right? Uh, And so uh, it was a wonderful experience being able to be that for veterans while I was there. Yes. Right. Okay. So you started working there and then you, you started to realize or notice that, that veteran care didn't seem to be the focus at that facility, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I don't think it's just our facility. I think it's at a lot of facilities. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'll find when you encounter what I would see is like, I was getting told like, Hey, you need to see more patients. And I'm like, well, I mean, so what do you want me to do? Um, like, well, you need to be seeing them for 15 minutes. And I'm like 15 minutes, but that makes no sense to me. So I, my job as a case manager, my job is to see a patient to make sure that all their issues are being addressed and address them there. And then a one kind of, you know, one stop shop. And I was like, no, well, they can come back again. They can come back again. And to me, that's, like counterintuitive is like, I'm not really helping the veteran if I'm only working on one issue and I'm, some of these veterans don't, they're on fixed incomes. And so how can you really help a veteran um, when you're kind of stressing them out even more of making them come back and making them come back and making them come back? Well, not only, not only are some of them on fixed incomes, but you know, VA facilities are in certain places in the country and you have a lot of veterans that go, They'll drive hours and hours to get care at a VA facility, right? Correct. Yeah. And then just to be notified that, hey, your appointment got canceled <laughs> is, right. is like the, and, and that's something that I would encounter. It's like where veterans are like, I want to see my social worker. And I, I was pretty good about not turning away a patient. I, I had a hard time saying no, <laughs> if, yeah. if we're being honest, well, uh, because again, it was my passion and I just wanted to help everybody. Right. Well, and again, trying to, it sounds like they were driving towards making sure that they got more veterans through the system so that they could report up through the VA that they helped X number of veterans, but they weren't really helping them. It was, it was kind of a numbers game. It seemed like, right? Absolutely. I've said that before on record that the VA is a number game. It's, you got to see it as like an assembly line, essentially, like we're just a number and we're just going through a system. And again, like you mentioned, uh, it's for funding purposes, I would assume. I mean, I'm making an assumption, but uh, it's just like how many numbers, how many numbers and numbers, 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 numbers. And, and, and it's sad because I mean, it's unfortunately veterans, don't get the care they need. And it's like, Hey, my life is more valuable than just the number. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, many veterans are failed by the system because they're just seen as a number. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and not just the numbers aspect of this, and they, they were getting pressure from the VA, from members of Congress and from, you know, veterans and veterans advocacy groups 
to 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 be a better system, uh, provide and deliver better healthcare. And they interpreted that as, well, we just need to almost justify our existence by saying, hey, we're helping this many veterans. And 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 the only way they could do that was not really help them, but just reduce the amount of time that veterans were getting to spend with providers, it seemed like, within the VA system. Yeah, that sounds about accurate. Um, I can't really speak for the reasoning behind, right? Right. Um, I, I was a workhorse, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved, uh, and serving my fellow brethren and sisters. Um, but essentially, it was just one of the things like, hey, you need to see more numbers. And and it was just always like about numbers and making sure you met your numbers and the right. quota that you need to be seeing. And, and again, for me, it's like counterintuitive to just see a person for 15 minutes. Like what can you really accomplish in 15 minutes? Not much. And, and commonly another thing you would hear is like, what am I supposed to choose to work on when I have so many issues, right? Most better, many veterans have complex issues. It's not just one simple issue that we can fix. It's a, a compounding factors that we're talking about of, of veterans and their sure. issues. Well, wouldn't it be great if we all lived in a world where our problem could be fixed in 15 minutes? Um, but we don't, right? And especially if if you're a veteran and it is very, very complicated and complex. And then this was kind of uh, exacerbated, I guess, by their one, they're trying to throw more people through the system, but it seems like they were also justifying the existence of trying to justify the existence of the VA system by trying and resisting uh, the implementation of the Mission Act. And so what you were trying to to get your patients community care, which again, maybe we can quickly talk about the Mission Act allowed for the care that that if if veteran the, the idea if, if veterans want and like the VA system and that's where they want to get their health care from, they can continue to do that. But the Mission Act gave them the opportunity to go outside of that and get care at other facilities if that's what they felt was correct. But it seems like you started getting resistance to getting your patients uh, community care outside of the VA system, yes? Yeah, uh, I would encounter providers, doctors who are like, well, why uh, do I need to put this consult in or why do I need to do that? We have the service here. They have it here. No, I'm not signing this form. I'm not doing that or I'm not doing this. And I'm like having to fight and justify for the patient by doing chart reviews and things like that. Like, hey, this is their choice. They have the right to choose and reminding them of them like as long, we're not meeting the criteria that they're needing. So and according to the Mission Act, there's six different ways you could enact that in particular. Uh, and one of the biggest things for me in my community is that we live uh, 250 miles. I think about four hour drive is the closest actual VA hospital for me. and so our community relies heavily on community um, uh, referrals. And so when I encounter that, it's just fighting for my veterans and justifying and saying like, Hey, no, that's not right. They, they meet the criteria and this is why they meet the criteria. Yeah. But what you would is not everybody's willing to do that, like work and review and sit there and look at through each patient's chart that's encountering this issue. But again, I didn't care because this is my passion. Right. And not mm-hmm. to say that other people don't care, but, um, they might not care as much as I do. Right. So in other words, what you're saying is you had doctors and others within the VA system who would say, well, no, I'm, I mean, well, let me even back up. You had Congress pass a law signed by the president of the United States 
that basically said, look, we, we want to treat our veterans uh, with respect and dignity in their health care. And so if they want to go to a VA facility, they can. But if they want to go somewhere else and get community care, they can. And that's the will of the elected representatives of the United States through, through Congress. They passed that. And then you had these folks within the VA, doctors and others saying, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to sign off on that. I'm not going to let uh, this patient go outside and get community care because we provide that service within the VA system. And so we, you know, I'm not going to do that because they should just come to us. Is that, is that what was happening? Essentially? Yes. It's like, uh, it's like, no, we have the service. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not, we don't have it operate in, in the 30 day time limit that's required of us. So if they want to go out elsewhere, they have the right to do so. Uh, and so it, it took me like continuously fighting for my patients in particular. And there was a couple of other social workers who had the passion, um, that were not veterans that are not there either any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely just depended on if you were willing to go to bat for that patient or not. Yeah. Um, I think people listen. I, I think people hear this, Jessica, and they think, gosh, I mean, the VA is supposed to be there for the veteran. They're supposed to be there to help the veteran get health care. And then when you hear stories like this, it makes them wonder if that's really what the VA in those instances what was about. I'm not, I'm not saying that they aren't, there are, there's very good people obviously that work for the Veterans Administration and good doctors and good providers who are trying to do that. But in the situations that you're highlighting, it seems like it got more about protecting themselves and protecting the VA than providing good care to veterans. Oh, absolutely. That you, that's a hundred percent correct. I mean, I saw even getting told to redact notes because I couldn't write what the veteran told me because I was against the agency. If I wrote what they wrote and oh, I'm gosh. like, but this is what a veteran told me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting verbatim what they're saying because they feel discontent with their service what like why can i not express it in their in mm-hmm. their chart no you're against the agency if you do that yeah um having to redact a note because of that i mean even speaking about myself and my health care and mental health in particular getting told like no we have the service here you cannot go out in the community and i'm like i'm uh, i work here i don't want my care here i want it in a different area and then they were trying to send me to another location uh that associated to the va and i i, I and it was unethical of me because my husband was a patient to the therapist and the other patient, the therapist there happened to be a really close friend of mine. And so it was like, well, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And uh, it's kind of sad. It's like, okay, I need mental health too. Um, and I didn't have a trust with them at, at all. And so the request for mental health was denied uh, to be seen out, outwardly. So where I was paying out of pocket for, uh, quite a uh, quite a while and, and a lot of money uh, for mental health uh, until I got insurance, private insurance, thankfully, was concerned with Insurance America, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, was able to start getting uh, paying less out of my pocket. But right. I mean, it's a very common thing to see in the VA's veterans having to fight for what they earned. Right. So you had there was an incident that, that I mean. You, just kind of made you start questioning whether you should continue to work for the, for the VA, right? I think there was a lot of instances yeah. <laughs> that I had really made me question. Um, what, what brought you over the line to, to realize, look, I just can't, I can't keep 
keep working here? The con- there is, uh, I mean, the consistency of how veterans are treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, this is unacceptable to me um, as a veteran and thinking like, oh my God, like it's not okay to be treated the way I'm being treated as an employee veteran, um, seeing patients having to fight tooth and nail for what they need, me trying to help them, having to jump through hoops, seeing like if I as an employee had a hard time getting veterans what they needed, imagine they don't have me and they're just on the other side of the of the 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 field, I guess if you will, mm-hmm. uh, trying to navigate the system. It's it's worse for them. And if again, me being an employee and if I was having a hard time getting them what they needed, it's that much worse for them that don't have the advocacy that I was able to provide. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you saw good people within the VA system trying to provide oh, yeah. that, but with every bureaucracy, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm just going to say it, that's, that's what the VA is. That's in a lot of ways, that's what the army is, right? When you were in the army, I'm sure you dealt with a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's people within that that are really working hard and trying to, to do a good job. But then there's also just the system that kind of grinds you. And I mean, is that, is it, was that kind of your experience? Was it, it was sort of built more I, around the system than around the veteran? Yeah, essentially. Yes. A hundred percent correct. So again, I went in there thinking I could change a system, one person inside. Right. Um, but then you start seeing that it's a bureaucracy, as you mentioned, and that it's a lot harder to change from the inside. Um, and there are, like you mentioned, some wonderful people that work there. Um, but I feel like those people are few, uh, to the people who are just there essentially for like a check in the box, it seems like for a paycheck, if you will. Um, and so you have those people who do care, but then it the bureaucracy, the way the system is made kind of outweighs the good people. Um, and so it makes it difficult. And that's kind of how I ended up transitioning out. And I said, hey, I can't make a change within the system. Why not join a team that has a more uh, power and in, in, in a more powerful, impactful way by changing policy? Um, and that's why um, I joined Concerned Veterans for America. Yeah, right. So, um and I, and I appreciate that. And I guess you've been able to continue once you left the VA, you, you still have this desire and this heart for helping veterans. So what are you doing now to be able to do that? Yeah. So right now I am the grassroots engagement director for concerned veterans of America, um, in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Mm-hmm. I, um, advocate, uh, educate, empower, connect my community and bring awareness to our local community about veteran issues and how we can help as a community to be a, um, an activist for our veteran community and just really empowering and educating on the local community, teaching veterans how to navigate the mission act, uh, because we know that the VA doesn't implement it correctly and letting them know, Hey, this is available to you. This is how it should be working. Let's help you figure it out. Um, so that you can, work it to your advantage and the way it should be meant to be um, worked. Um, and then it's essentially just community, lots of community engagement, just letting people know that we're there in the Rio Grande Valley and that we are um, there to stay. Um, we want to, I'm trying to work our community and that we make it a household name and where I'm at. Right. Cause we're still pretty new to my area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
lot of community building and making a lot of uh, relationships right now is what I'm personally doing. Right. So if, er- if somebody listening to the, to this right now wants to get involved, where, where's the best place for them to go and, and get involved? Yeah. So you can go to our website, which is cv4a.org. Um, and there on the, um, once you get to the, the website, it'll kind of automatically prompt you to be able to join and sign up for our, our letters, uh, newsletters. And it'll give you the option there to sign up to be a volunteer and it'll, It'll alert us and let us know that, hey, we have a new person in our area. If they're in my area or anywhere, that we have a chapter. And they'll be able to connect with somebody so that we can help them uh, learn more about Concerned Veterans for America, CVA, and how we can work together wherever they are, if they're in my local community or in another state. Well, Jessica, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to to join us and kind of tell us this story. And again, these are very frustrating. And especially when we're talking about dealing with veterans and, and we should be providing the highest quality care possible uh, to them. But I, I want to thank you for, uh, for all the great work that you're doing. And it seems like you still got a big battle at home between the army uh, Marine Corps rivalry there. So I don't know, you probably learned some good skills in managing that when you were working at the VA, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's good. Well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So listen, this, this is one of those things. I mean, imagine that Congress passes a law that says to the, to the veterans administration, listen, you're going to provide the best quality care you possibly can to our veterans. And if they choose to go somewhere else, and and have choice in the the healthcare that they get it's your job to provide it to them it's your job to provide that choice in addition to healthcare you have to provide them choice and you have people within that bureaucracy that have resisted that and done it so that they can keep their jobs in some cases in some cases so that they can justify their existence as the veterans administration Take care of veterans. Don't worry about your job. If you take care of the veterans and you do a good job at that, guess what? You'll have job security. The VA will be around for a long time if you do that. So it's very disheartening when, I mean, even the Congress of the United States passes a law, the president of the United States signs it, and a bureaucracy decides, well, we're just not going to implement it because we don't like it. We can't stand that. That's the rule of law must stand congress and the president of the united states when they pass a law sign it into law and it becomes public law it should be followed and we shouldn't tolerate uh, frankly bureaucrats just deciding that they're going to do something different so i'm very glad that jessica stood up to help these veterans and so many others are standing up and doing the same thing again join us on uh, facebook twitter youtube leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform would love to have you do that and of course you can go to americanpotential.com and uh, submit your story there if you've got a great story to talk about breaking these government barriers government imposed barriers we'd love to hear those and you can always send me an email at jeff at americanpotential.com thanks for joining us 
Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.